Before you listen to this great new episode of Albums Are Dead, a few quick plugs. Go subscribe to us on iTunes, search for Albums Are Dead there, and we will pop up for you. Or head over to Mixcloud and do a search for Albums Are Dead. Our back catalog is there for you to listen to anytime on demand. Eventually, we're going to be on Spotify and Google. Do a search for us anyways, because we're going to pop up at one of those places eventually. We do have a website. It's albumsaredead.com. We are on all of the social medias. On Twitter, we are at Albums Are Dead. We are on Facebook. Give our page a like. It's Albums Are Dead. What do you know? We're also on Instagram. Again, Albums Are Dead, and you will find us. And support the artists. Go listen to their music. Go download it legally or stream it legally, please. The artists and their record labels, they're all big and super rich, but they still need your support, and we should do it the right way. We, of course, make no money from doing this show. It's all about the love of music. Let's go love some music together. Here's the next episode of Albums Are Dead. How close are you to real life to what your records are? This is real as this gun. See this chamber right there? This is no bullshit. This is real. This is real gun. Nine millimeters in your ass. Nine millimeters. <laughs> you gotta carry these or you get fucked up on the street. So you gotta be and prepared. And this got an infrared scope on it. You put the dot on your target, then you blow this shit out the motherfucker. No joke. Albums are motherfucking dead. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Nine millimeter in your ass. Oh, so much swearing. Can't wait. So uh, many cuss words. It's fantastic. Uh, we will just say right now, listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Today's show. Yeah, you can stick one of those uh, one of those stickers right on this uh, this podcast. Uh, and uh, it is Albums Are Dead. I am one of your pals. Slip with five eyes or slip on the Twitter. I'm at Megamix.com, and uh, yeah, how's it going, friend? Uh, hey, pals. <laughs> uh, hey, gangsters. <laughs> gangsta, gangsta. Um, we are talking today, uh, and when, but when I say we, mainly you, are going to be yes. taking us on a journey uh, of some gangsta rap. Oh, yes. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, highly influential gangsta rap albums of all time. We are talking today, of course, if you didn't notice it from when you clicked on this podcast to listen to it or to download it onto your onto your mobile device, NWA's debut album, Straight Outta Compton. Uh, and could we could we sound any more of the opposite of what this music is? <laughs> We're going to bring you some gangster rap today. Time for some gangster. <laughs> Get in that gangster lean. <laughs> Do your crip walk. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as much as we joke about this, uh, why don't we talk? Do you want to get right into it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be several facets. I mean, usually on this podcast, when we, we, we break it down, then we give a little background. We do a little track by track. We talk about the reviews. We talk about tours and uh, we wrap it up. I think uh, I'm very interested to see how this one goes today. And 
I- I'm looking to get right into it. Can we talk, though, uh, us, of course, now both being in our early 40s? Yes. Can we talk about uh, particularly you yes. and your, uh, you know, your little gangster phase that you had way back in the day? <laughs> well, I guess we might as well get into it right away. Um, yeah. Um, so when I was about in my 12, 13, uh, was about, uh, yeah, it was about 19, 1990. 1989, 1990, in that area. Um, yeah, I got big into the hip-hop scene at the time. You know, it started off innocent enough. You listen to some rap tracks, some Tone Loke, some Young MC. But it fuck, it all escalates all so fast. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, we got, we got, we were really, really into listening to, uh, some of the, uh, specifically West Coast music coming out of the time and NWA, of course, the linchpin in that. So when we got into it, you know, it was more around the, um, the time of 100 Miles and Running or NWA's, uh, second and final album. Uh, but, uh, you know, so Straight Outta Compton kind of came in as, you know, let's look to the back catalog from two years ago. Uh huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I probably stole this CD from, uh, from a, a record store in in around Minneapolis. I'm sure I did. <laughs> this was back when um you know I was a little gangster, you know, Save a Tell. Yep. Suburban Winnipeg, white guy, junior high, the pro your prototypical gangster. Oh, so much um, so much Raiders gear. Oh yeah, I had the Raiders jacket and the Raiders hat. And I was wearing my said Raiders jacket when we went on a trip to Minneapolis and I believe I I ganked CDs left and right on that trip. I don't know how I never got caught. Thank God I didn't. Oh, I know. Um, um, I, I, this was back in the day. A CD would come in a in a cardboard sleeve. And so it was a long cardboard sleeve with the cover art on a portion of the sleeve or the full sleeve. And then the CD was inside. And so these, what I noticed when I was, when I was in the States was that the CD had the, um, the, 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 the tab, the security tag was on the outside of the box. Well, if you just open up the box and take the CD out, you were good to go. So that's, that's what I did. They would later, you would start to find in those big, like giant plastic things, those big long plastic. It was also, they, they had these for like the shelves that they were filing them on too, right? Cause they didn't have quite the shelf space for these CDs. So they had these deep shelf spaces. So you had to have these long boxes. So in the end, they, they went to these um, plastic cases they had to, like, rip off with some kind of device. Uh, you know what? You should have been in NWA with all your gangster I, I action. Been. I should have been. Um, yes, we had a crew in uh, in, in junior high. <laughs> um, we had a crew. Uh, our first, We were first called the Hyper Crew. Um, my name in that group was Cherry Ice, uh-huh. named after the lip gloss that I found once that had a snowman on it. I believe on skis. Well, I and mean, it was called cherry ice, and that was a very appropriate uh, name because you know you had your cherry for many years <laughs> after that. So you know, <laughs> uh, we had uh, we had uh, basically we actually had kind of a mythology, almost um, digital underground ish, where we where we where our mythology centered around peppermint lifesavers, uh-huh. and so we were like we got special powers from them, and then we would rap. Wow. <laughs> Actually, we were mainly rap dance. We weren't really into it. We never actually did any 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 rhyming. We we just went to community club dances and rap danced. Uh, we later became rap rep the rhyme emperor posse. <laughs> and at that point, I got a little I got a little more hard, and was the ruthless king. Oh, so. <laughs> you, you're you're quite ruthless. 
So that's uh, good. That's well, good. I, I don't know what was more ruthless. Uh, me or my fucking pimples at the time. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, we, we dabbled a little bit in, in gangster culture. We didn't really do much outside of maybe slashing a few tires and spray painting a little bit. We once, uh, uh, my, uh, one of our, one of our buddies, um, decided to drive his mom's car to the mall. So that was pretty badass. Uh-huh. Um, we were like 13 and we carried a stick that we made in shops. It was like our weapon. Terrible. Well then. So overall, yes, NWA a bad influence on me for a short period of time. Well, but no wonder uh, you're talking about this album then. And really, I guess there you go. That's why kids shouldn't have been listening to this because look what they did. Well, yes. I mean, I, I'm I'm thankful that we didn't get into worse stuff. So that was good. And uh, the worst thing that happened once was a um we were there was like a get together at this dude's house, and there was this other little dude. Uh, well, I'll, you know, Logan. So yep. you know who I'm talking about. Yep. Uh, outside of the party came and he was drunk and he was he uh chased this dude derek down to the basement all threw a knife at him <laughs> so then we all had to tame me and the cajun man had to fucking tame logan all by playing nobody move by easy on repeat over and over <laughs> and that's what was the only thing that would tame him <laughs> yep Jesus. so yeah that was those those were the days Fuck. i mean I, <laughs> yeah. I got i got i got all that shit out of my system real early you guys were so, so cool so you know. So yeah, that's kind of my personal connection with with uh, with uh, Straight Outta Compton. I mean, I had the album; I probably stole it. I'm pretty sure I did. Listened to it a lot. Um, put a lot of bad ideas in my head, apparently. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of why. I mean, I chose it because it's a classic. And I also, honestly, and I mean, I'll get into this later. I really didn't want to talk about NWA's second full length album because it's fucking terrible. Uh huh. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So let's go with the one that is actually like fun to talk about and. Uh, and you know, is is not an embarrassment. I hear you. Okay. Uh, you're you uh, having your your experience with uh, Straight Outta Compton. Uh, I didn't listen to a lot of this, you know, other than I guess the the two big tracks, right? Yeah. Straight Outta Compton and Fuck the Police. So I was yes. familiar with those. Uh, everything else, not so much until late '90s is when I started <clears> kind <throat> of uh, working my way backwards and and picking up nice. some of. Uh, some of the uh, some of the catalog and and you know quite enjoyed it, yeah. I must say and uh, so that that's really it. I think that uh, you know there are, there are numerous tracks through through various um, various uh, forms of media that I got into, like some songs mm-hmm. from their other album that uh, that were played on like Grand Theft Auto. That I was like, oh, that's not that bad. Even though, yes. as, as you said, a lot of that Appetite album for destruction specifically. Yeah, a lot of that album though was garbage, but there is some uh, some okay stuff. And then, of course, the biopic from three years ago, which I thought was fantastic. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm uh, I actually just finished reading a book called "Parental Discretion Is Advised," which I picked up when we were in Chicago. And I believe I have a quote from that in this in this uh, episode. Excellent. So look forward to that. Yeah. So um, uh, is that the certain... Garrett Kennedy book? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, right on. So, uh, yeah, all that, uh, you know, I, I, I like it. Um, my favorite story is a couple of years ago, I think 2014, yeah. uh, I had my iPhone uh, playing a playlist on Shuffle as I was headed to join my mom at church on Christmas Eve. Nice. And Gangsta Gangsta started playing. Yes. So I took a shot of it with my phone, probably while yeah. I was driving. So, you know, highly illegal. Yes. Well, uh, you know, you were badly influenced by nwa uh yes posted it on twitter and said 
this is some great uh, Christmas Eve music. And yep. then I, my aunt yeah. <laughs> saw the tweet <laughs> and yeah. decided to have a listen <laughs> oh my God. to the song and then replied and was basically like, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, I, you know, that made me think of, uh, I guess, I guess a couple other things just before we get into our, into our classic breakdown. Um, we were talking a bit, we, we touched a bit on NWA's second full length album. Uh, it's kind of an album that shall not be named. I guess I could, I mean, it's, it's called Ethel for Zagan. Yes. Uh, you know, now nah, it's backwards. And, um, I, I, that was the first NWA album that I had. And, um, I remember I had it listening to it. I probably told this story on our sister show, The Mezzanine Sleepover. Yeah. But, uh, I'll tell it again here for all our listeners. Um, I had this album and I was at my desk in my room and I had the disc man going. And this is like classic fucking disc man, like the big fat one. It was our only like CD player in the house. And I'm listening to my headphones and my dad walks into the room, into my room and he picks up the CD. My heart fucking stops. Uh-huh. <laughs> he all scans, he all scans the, the, the back, you know, all the song names. Now, you know, such song names as she swallowed it and <laughs> find him, fuck him and flee. Yep. Uh, and, uh, I, I'd rather, I'd rather fuck you and looks at it, puts it down and walks out. Yep. <laughs> it's all never spoke of again. Nope. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, um, I also had the, 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 the t-shirt from that album where I couldn't wear it to school unless it was, had another shirt over top of it. Like, like a, like an unbuttoned shirt over top because it all had a gun on the back. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. So, so NWA. All right. Um, you know, I, 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 it's, it's a good, it's a good as time as any right now. Let's kick into it straight out of Compton. Um, just a sec, my notes closed here. Okay. Um, released on August 8th, 1988 on Ruthless Records, uh, distributed by Priority Records. Peaked on the Billboard 200 at number 37. Uh, peaked on Billboard's top soul LPs at number nine. Uh, the album to date has sold over 3 million copies. And was certified triple platinum on November 11th, 2015. The album uh, at the time got almost no radio play and still went double platinum back then. And it launched the legendary careers of Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, and the late Easy E. Uh, in 2003, it was ranked number 144 in Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. The fifth highest ranking for a hip-hop album on the list. Um, in 2017, it was selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or artistically significant. Who would have thought back I'm, in 1988? Amazing. I'm fucking serious. Uh, with, especially with the furor that, 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 that it provoked. Um, in 2015, uh, as you mentioned, an NWA biopic called Straight Outta Compton was released starring Ice Cube's son, O'Shea Jackson Jr. as his father, uh, among others. Uh, the film was a huge success, taking in about $60 million in its opening weekend. And I got to say, I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. You haven't watched it? I don't know why. That's crazy. It's good. I know. It's been like on my must watches, but I just, I haven't watched it. Okay. So um, I've watched plenty of clips um, in preparation for the show. I got to say, trying to find little clips and stuff here and there to, to sprinkle as we like to do. Not really able to because most of the clips on YouTube are all just from the movie. Uh huh. So I, I, we, we, I, I think I only have one clip to play today, but, uh, that might be one of the reasons. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the, um, 
that's the, that's the quick kind of tale of the tape. Um, so in terms of, I mean, it's very hard to find anything outside of kind of the movie's rendition of the, um, of the, uh, the kind of the recording of the album. Um, uh, a little quick background on NWA, uh, you know, th- there's a mythology around NWA and then there's kind of the, um, the real story. Okay. So the mythology would have you believe he's he, a drug dealer, you know, using his drug money to put together a group when really it came down to easy at one point bailed out Dr. Dre and asked him to promise uh, on the promise to produce albums for his new record label that he started with uh, manager Jerry Heller. Um, they had sunk about $250,000 into creating Ruthless Records. Um, that's how we kind of hooked up with Dr. Dre. The rest all kind of fell into place. And uh, the group released um, a couple of singles. And then uh, there, I don't know if they did, but it was another label put together a compilation called NWA and the Posse, which I had, which is quite terrible. Um, because it not just includes NWA, but also includes other acts such as the Fila Fresh group. <laughs> um, they had that album out they had a couple singles and they went in in uh, I believe it was uh, later 1987 to record um, Straight Outta Compton now you have you've been doing some, some some of your own reading do you have anything to add to any of this um, between the book and the the biopic I yeah. mean the story the story that I'm led to believe is that so so uh, Dr. Dre, um, what's the name of the group that he's with before? Uh, oh God, yes, he's in like here. he's in a bit of a like a glam kind of dance. Group. Yeah, like wearing like oh, it's a world class wrecking crew. There it is. Yeah, uh, and they're kind of this um, they're kind of this electro funk group. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, with like the you know the wearing the eyeliner and the and the, and the fancy red you know spacey clothes. Yeah, and uh. So and he's in it. I'm just I'm just going over to it right now because I believe uh, it's not just him. It's uh, I be- yeah. Also, uh, Yella was in it, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so they're in that, and you know, for whatever reason, it's you know, it's not working out. There's as usual as we found through a lot of these uh, these album uh, deep dives. Uh, yes, it's usually money that uh, <laughs> is problematic. <laughs> of course. Uh, of course. And then. Um, Easy is le- legitimately uh, is is a drug dealer, but from again from what I'm reading is kind of on the tamer end of yeah, the spectrum. Like yeah, not like a drug kingpin, but as um, you would have believe. Yeah, but has you believe back then, but has actually made quite a bit of money uh, yeah. doing it. And then I, um, Ice Cube is um, is uh, you know is is a kid that's. Again, I don't think like deep in, in, in Compton, like not in the most dangerous areas, but not no. like not in the suburbs either, no. but is uh, busing to school uh, right. in, in, uh, in something a little bit more suburban. But he's kind of writing rhymes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and these guys all end up getting hooked up with each other. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and end up, uh, you know, it ends up being, you know, Dre is the producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Easy is the money. Yeah. Uh, and largely Ice Cube, but but to a lesser extent, uh, MC Ren are providing yeah. are providing right. lyrics. Exactly. So, um, according to manager Jerry Heller, Straight Outta Compton cost only twelve thousand dollars to make. So contrast that with when we if we go back to episode one and Def Leppard's Hysteria, uh-huh. and it's whatever thirteen million dollars to make. 
Um, not bad. Uh, Urban Legends hold that EZ's contribution to NWA was providing startup cash that he earned selling drugs, while the gangsta bona fides of the rest of the group are understood to be fiction. Only EZ's are taken at face value. Um, Jerry Heller wrote in his memoir, which was called, uh, I believe it was from, what, 2006? Yeah. Uh, Ruthless, a memoir. Um, he wrote that EZ's drug dealer persona was a self-forged armor used to survive in his Compton hood, and Jerry says... I certainly never witnessed Eric sell any coke, he writes, adding that while he saw him give away plenty of weed, I never really even saw him sell any of that either. So, you know, of course, Jerry Heller's word, not exactly gold. Yeah. But um, you can take that for what it is. Um, here's here's uh, here's uh, something I, I gleaned a little bit about the uh, about Straight Outta Compton from the, the book that you, that you referenced, Parental Discretion is Advised, The Rise of NWA and the Dawn of Gangster Rap by uh, Garrick D. Kennedy. Um, I'm just going to read here. Straight Outta Compton was a flashpoint that spoke for a disenfranchised community and disrupted the order of those who were confronted with the voices and images of a community they'd much rather ignore. Black teens and young adults emerged in street life, yet looking for someone something to hold on to, flocked to the album. And so did white, suburban, middle-class teens mm-hmm, who knew nothing <laughs> about the hood or the life or life inside it, but looked to rap as an outlet for rebellion in the same way their parents gravitated toward the angst, angsty countercultural attitudes percolating in rock music during the 60s. As unapologetically violent, misogynist, and problematic as the lyrics, lyrics often were, the group's harrowing depictions of urban nightmares proved a vital response to the growing disenfranchisement from the Reagan-era politics that had transformed the nation and created an economic catastrophe for metropolitan L.A. Um, N.W.A. introduced an anti-hero. The way Melvin Van Peebles' groundbreaking 1971 film Sweet, Sweet Sweetback's badass song used uh, America's longstanding perception of black men as seething violent hunks to politicize the image. N.W.A. brought to life by mixing reality with fantasy through his music, and the result was as terrifying as it was successful. And you know, the clip at, at the start of the um, at the start of the show there was a like an interview with N.W.A. in 1988, and they're sitting in the studio, and Easy's got this giant gun. <laughs> He's all just showing it off, and you're like, I love the myth making involved. So that was. Uh, a little, a little taste there. Straight Outta Compton was the uh, second album released by Ruthless Records. Um, the first was J.J. Fad's Supersonic, which was uh, released about a month earlier on July 8th, 1988. Um, I don't have much about the recording of it. I, uh, the iconic cover, though, was, photographer, was photographed by photographer Eric Poppleton. He said uh, this in a 2015 interview with CNN Style. Um, in hindsight, it was so provocative. You're taking the perspective of someone who's about to be killed, essentially. Not that they were going to do that to me. We don't even print that stuff in newspapers. Even at CNN, would you print an image like that? So it's got that that cover with the with the, with the group looking down and with all with all with um uh with the gun being pointed right at your face. Pretty iconic. Uh, have, um, you have to know it as well. There are six people in the photo. Yes, there are. Now is the, the sixth is the Arabian Prince yes. or is it DOC? It's Arabian Prince. Ah, the Arabian Prince. Uh, I'll just Arabian read. Arabian Prince is I, in the panic zone. Pan got, panic zone. I've got a quick from Quora.com here. Yes! Uh, who is this, I love it. Who's the sixth person in NWA Straight Outta Compton album cover? Arabian Prince was actually probably the most successful and best known of the six members of NWA at the time the band was formed. Arabian yep. Prince was a master of electro hop, which was huge in LA until, ironically, NWA's gangster rap blew it out of the water. Um, and then, as you just mentioned, also um, strongly affiliated with the group at this time was uh, the DOC. 
the DOC. Uh, who, um, again, from reading the, the, you know, um, parental or, you know, what it's called parental discretion is advised or yes. whatever. It's listener discretion is advised. I don't know what the fuck it's called. Parental discretion is advised. Yes. Uh, is, uh, basically, uh, notes that it, it kind of is, kind of is uh, left to the outside of the group throughout the whole the whole run like is with yep. them and kind of does his own thing obviously has his own album and 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 tours yep. with them but kind of wants to be part of the group but is not allowed <laughs> it's kind of weird that is strange yeah uh the doc of course no one does it better classic album with the amazing track grand finale featuring nwa uh, a highly recommended track um the big Chocolate City sample, amazing. Yep. Um, you can't talk straight out of Compton, though, without talking about the parental advisory sticker. Um, the Wiki uh, says this about the, about uh, when I when I looked up parental advisory sticker. Uh, I know what the, I know. Uh, where, I, I, I know where you're going already. Yes. And uh, this is uh, going to be a teaser for next week, everyone. I believe. Excellent. Yeah. Maybe. Um, shortly after their formation. Yeah, it is. It is a teaser for next week. You're right. Yep. Um, shortly after their formation in 1985, the Parents Music Resource Center, PMRC, assembled a list of 15 songs with, with deemed unsuitable content. Particular criticism was placed on Darling Nikki by Prince. Yep. After the daughter of PMRC co-founder Mary Tipper Gore recognized its references to masturbation. Um, the Recording Industry Association of America, RIAA, responded by introducing an early version of their content warning label. Although the PMRC was displeased and proposed that a music rating system structured like the Motion Picture Association of America film rating system to be enacted, the RIAA alternatively suggested using a warning label reading parental guidance explicit lyrics. And after a continued conflict between the organizations, the matter was discussed. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, finally, they uh, two months after they had a hearing about it, um, notable musicians like Frank Zappa, Dee Snyder, and John Denver all testified in uh, opposition to having a sticker uh, as a warning label. Uh, two months after the hearings, the organizations agreed on a settlement in which audio recordings were to either be affixed with a warning label, reading explicit lyrics, parental advisory, or have its lyrics attached on the backside of its packaging. So in 1990, the now standard black and white warning label design reading parental advisory explicit lyrics was introduced and was to be placed at the bottom right-hand section of a given product. Uh, the first album to uh, bear the black and white label was the 1990 release of uh, Band in the USA by the rap group Two Live Crew. Uh-huh. And by May 92, approximately 225 records had been marked with the warning. I, of course, had a version that must have been released, uh, must have been printed after that because it had definitely had the warning on it. Um, of course, the sticker, meant to be a warning for parents, ended up almost being a badge of honor. Yep. Uh it was a signal to youth that the album was worth checking out. I remember the Cajun Man having a parental advisory hat. So uh, I have two comments. Yes. Uh, number one, uh, just a plug for next week. We'll be covering Princess Purple Rain. Yes. Where I will be talking about uh, Darling Nikki and uh, the, yes. the parental advisory. Uh, the second thing is when you say the that song references masturbation or makes references to, it's they, all about it. They use the term masturbation, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not dancing around it. That's what they're talking I, about. Yeah, the Wiki dances around a bit about it. We won't. Yeah, because uh, you would expect nothing less from albums or dead. We're, we're the real. Uh, we're the real. Um, I guess finally, just on the background, um, this will this will perk ears up. MTV initially refused to air the video for Straight Outta Compton wherein the uh, black-clad crew tangle with the menacing police officers. 
Uh, two months after the album's release, Fab Five Freddy devoted an entire show to NWA and brought a camera crew to Compton for a tour of the streets that inspired the album and that helped sales take off. So, um, you know, just a little bit of background, not 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 the deepest of dives, and I apologize. That's I was good. struggling with finding it, but I, I think I think that covers. Um, you know, it's not my usual. Here's how it was recorded. No. Um, but, uh, you know, you can get a, a flavor for that by uh, some of the clips that I saw from from the movie, because um, I haven't seen the whole thing, but do uh, provide a little bit of an inside look on what it might have looked like in the studio when the, they were recording the number these one, albums. The one, number one take I get from the recording stuff is that uh, Eazy-E was not a rapper. No. Uh, prior to joining the group, it was it was through working with Dre. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got him, and like you would never know because the dude is is fantastic, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but he was, uh, you know, he he wasn't smooth to begin with. Didn't know what he was doing. Nope. You know, he's got that that very distinct kind of goofy voice. Yep. Uh, but uh, he uh, obviously turned into a fucking amazing, amazing rapper. Yeah, and you know the the iconic kind of character. I mean, listen, I was uh, like a short dude, and like when we were when we were um, when we were in NWA, it was like Easy was the was the guy that I was all like, Easy's the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, obviously, I mean, you know, as we'll talk about, I mean, for me, the 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 the, the group never the same once Ice Cube left and kind of took that boatload of talent and uh, the writing and and so on and uh, you know. Um, it, it just it, you know they they weren't able to kind of to kind of uh, to to move forward with the sound at all after that. And uh, once Dre left, then of course the band was done, the group was done. Um, it's a nice. This is a, a fun listen because it, it's kind of the precursor to the G funk. You know, it's it's got it's got more of like that electro feel uh, because it's kind of so early. But you can kind of see the 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 uh, the genesis of where like. Dre would go because Dre and, and Ice Cube kind of go in different directions after they leave the group, but uh, you know I think Ice Cube embraces a bit more of the um, a bit more of that uh, that uh, the, the 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 funk a little bit more, whereas whereas uh, Dre kind of goes for that that classic West Coast sound and G funk sound. So um, this is this is a, a fun listen. I think we got to start going with the track by track. Sounds what good. All right, so 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 uh, hit us up with. Uh, I mean. Is there a more I there, there's not many more iconic uh, openings to an album than this. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Coming down the aisle. Free <laughs> dog. <laughs> uh, we got straight out of Compton. This is the first single uh, and the first track on the album, uh, released as a single on July 10th, 1988. Um, from the Wickeye. In 2015, Straight Outta Compton debuted at number 38 on Billboard's Hot 100 on the issue dated uh, September 5th, 2015, as a result of the release of the film of the same name and, of course, Dr. Dre's album Compton. It was the highest debut on the chart for that week. This became the gr- group's first top 40 hit song nice. in 2015. <laughs> Um, uh, in large part due to the lack of airplay because NWA was banned from many radio stations in the 1980s, charting 27 years after its initial release and 24 years after the group had originally disbanded. Um, Straight Outta Compton, written by Ice Cube, MC Ren, and the DOC. 
Um, Ice Cube told the Sunday Correspondent Magazine in 1989, he said this, The parents, the police, and the people of the local community are scared of what we say. We use the same kind of language as the kids use every day. In the black community, the ministers and teachers don't deny that the problem we rap, the problems we rap about exist, but they'd rather sweep it under the rug. Maybe that's why we sell so many records, because the kids in the community all tell the kids... Because the people in the community all tell kids what to do. The police are watching them 24-7. So when they party, they don't want to hear, don't do this and don't do that. Our raps are documentary. We don't take sides. Uh, so... Do you? Uh, I like the Wiki entry. Has a good list of the samples too. I have all those as well. So feel free to uh, to, to chime in because I, if you want to take the samples, well, go the, right ahead. What the number thought? one. There are multiple samples for this one, but of course, the number one, "Funky Drummer" by James Brown. Of course, <laughs> pretty much sampled in like every third song in hip hop. Yes. <laughs> so that's the one I wanted to point out. But there are there are other ones. Yeah. Here. We got Funkadelic, you'll like it too. We got West, some West Coast Pop Lock in there by Ronnie Hudson and the Street People. Um, we got some Wilson Pickett, Get Me Back on Time, Engine Number 9. Of course, The Amen Brother, uh, Lick by the Winstons. That's that uh, little uh, backbeat. And uh, One for the Trouble by Davey DMX. So quite a uh, quite a, uh, a laundry list of samples, you know, straight out of Compton. Um, the music video. What? Uh, this is one of my personal favorites. Um, I love this music video. My favorite part is when uh, the cops run, are chasing them and they're running and fucking easy all bails off, peels off from the group, all smart. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Um, the video shows the group walking and posing throughout various parts of the city of Compton. Ice Cube and Ren are chased by the police during their verses, arrested and put in a holding van. Easy E's verse shows him riding alongside the van in a convertible, yelling at the driver who ignores him. As the van leaves the neighborhood, local residents throw rocks at it. So that's the Wiki synopsis of the video. Um, you know that we can't go track by track without one of our favorite um, features. Over at songmeanings.com. Oh, yes. Uh, I don't have, I didn't delve into the song meanings. I mean, they're pretty, you pretty much know. Yeah. But uh, I, I just, I, I had to pull some samples of the comments so um on songmedias.com a commenter sucker for as would talker says this shit's tight as fuck <laughs> well while well, commenter fee says nwa own your ass all right nice thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh let's hit track two beautiful According to Discogs.com, there was a promo single released in 1988. Um, it, it used the title FTP, which was probably smart. Um, uh, though I don't think it was ever released as a single, it reached number 25 on Billboard's uh, U.S. Hot R&B and Hip Hop songs. Um, Fuck the Police, written by uh, Ice Cube and MC Ren. Uh, there is a, um, of course, very controversial track. Well, okay, there's so there's um, the way that again the book and the the movie will will 
will yeah. kind of, you know, have you believe. Uh, they were actually recording, and uh, they were, you know, there was a shakedown by the cops, right? A stop and frisk, basically. Yeah. And uh, and Jerry Heller was present at this and was, you know, kind of his first exposure. Whereas, of course, the members of the group were like, this is life. Yeah, and, this is uh, what happens all the time. And then took this as motivation and immediately turned around and wrote Fuck the Police. Now, I don't know if that's actually true. And based on your story of, uh, you know, a 1988 release, who knows? Could be, though, I guess, because 88 is when the album came out. Yep. But that's the story that, that you would be led to believe based on uh, the book and the and the movie. I'm pretty sure that's pretty close to what it is. You know what? I have a clip here of uh, from a noisy short film from about 2015 where Ice Cube and... Uh, and and Yella, yeah. Hang on one sec. My phone just. I gotta. I gotta get back to my notes here. Uh, they were talking about where, kind of the, the where that where fuck the police kind of what what kind of a place that came from. So here's a clip. You know, it was a few songs when I grew up that we knew were politically charged. People like Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. People like Curtis Mayfield. These groups were going a little deeper. I started getting into people like Melly Mel, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Run DMC, you know, was coming with It's Like That. It was people starting to say things in the music. And when it was our turn, I wanted us to have something to say. The relationship between the cops and the regular people, I would say, was kind of iffy, you know. There wasn't a, a love-hate, it was a hate-hate <laughs> relationship. So they had their way with the you know, people from the ghetto, you know, because they had the badge and the guns. You know, they would just overstep their boundaries every time we had an encounter with them. You know, they would just do something extra to, to harass, to humiliate, to belittle, to intimidate. You know, that was their whole tactic. So, you know, you kind of get the feel there. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it spawns like one of the like greatest, most powerful hip hop songs of all time. Um, the song provoked the FBI to write to NWA's record company about the lyrics, expressing disapproval and arguing that the song misrepresented police. An FBI agent named uh, Milt Ulrich referenced 78 law enforcement officers who were feloniously slain in the line of duty during 1988, and that recordings such as those produced by NWA were both discouraging and degrading to these brave, dedicated officers. And I have to say, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's been 30 years and same kind of stuff just popping up. Well, okay, so... <sighs> Again, you got to take yourself back to this time, right? So yep. first of all, this kind of this kind of uh, music, this is new stuff. Like yep. we don't use cuss words in popular yep. music. Number one, and yep. number two, the, the the subject matter is obviously you know it's it's it's, it's inflammatory. People are going to get up in arms about it. Yep. Clearly, nothing about the the police, but. What's actually happening and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the Los Angeles Police Department at this time, uh, deeply racist. Yep. Deeply racist. And it leads to this, this song, uh, Cop Killer is another one by, uh, Ice T. I uh, see it and his bad body count. Uh, I loved Ice T's quote, uh, where he basically was like, well, you know, if you believe that I'm actually a cop killer, then I guess you also believe that David Bowie is an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> it 
but but the subject matter is about these issues. And of course, uh, famously, um, all of this in, in South Central Los Angeles leads to the Rodney King beating and mm-hmm. the riot. Yeah. So, and uh, we also will we'll touch upon uh, a little later in this episode. So wait for it when we get to the tour part, because we will talk about fuck the police and police response. Yes. To the song uh, with the actual band members. So we will get there. So don't worry. We're not we're not omitting it because we don't know. It's, we're going to save it. OK. Um, so, yeah. So this is this is a big deal. Nobody wants to play it. It's a big deal. Uh, in 1989, though, uh, the Australian radio station Triple J had been playing fuck the police. <laughs> They were the only radio station in the world to do so, and they were playing it for about six months uh, before being banned by the Australian Broadcasting Corporation management following a campaign by a South Australian Liberal senator. As a reaction, the staff went on strike and put NWA's Express Yourself on continuous play for 24 hours straight, Nice, playing it roughly 360 times in a row. Um, so yeah, so it's a uh, polarizing track. The mu- there was a music video. And uh, as you can probably tell from the uh, opening part of the song, it takes place in a courtroom <laughs> and is uh, throughout the uh, throughout the uh, song. The three members of the group, uh, Ice Cube, then MC Ren, then Easy, all take the stand to testify as as they rap. And uh, yeah, they the rap they two interludes present uh, reenactments of stereotypical racial profiling and police brutality. So another kind of strong artistic video. Um, and, and a classic, um, sample wise, I mean, there's a whole bunch, uh, we got, uh, James Brown's funky presidents. We got, uh, Marva Whitney's it's my thing. Uh, Roy Ayers boogie back. We got feel good by fancy funky drummer. Of course, <laughs> you don't and then, say, uh, be you thankful don't say for what you got, be thankful for what you got by William Devon. And, and it does sample easy's ruthless villain, which is tremendous. Um, one last little bit here, um, because we got to know what they, what they're saying over at songmeetings.com. We do. Com, comment, commenter Penalicious <laughs> says, uh-huh. here's a, this, here's what this, this genius has to say. It means nothing. What would NWA do without profanity? Songs in quotation marks that bluntly talk about sucking dick, fuck the police and anything else, as long as it involves sex or violence. And that's art, huh? Entertaining. Yes. But Easy and the crew are laughing all the way to the grave for making a name off this shit. People are such sheep. Wow. Okay. So uh, penalicious. Not not a fan of fuck the police. <laughs> okay. Let's go to let's go to track three. My favorite track and my aunt's yes. least favorite track for <laughs> yes for, for Christmas Eve. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I just imagine her turning this on. <laughs> Oh, uh, so good. Uh, uh, this, of course, Gangsta Gangsta, as you mentioned. Uh, the second single off the album released as a single on September 5th, 1988, reached number 11 on the Billboard Hot Rap Songs chart. Uh, this track was written by Ice Cube, MC Ren, and the DOC. Um, some of the best tracks involving these three. Um MC Ren broke the song down for Hip Hop Connection in December of 1989. He said, Not all of what we say on records describe us. We also describe the exploits of people around us. So this is telling it again, like it is, and how people really behave. Oh, here we go. Listen. Yeah. Kid looking up 
to me. Life ain't nothing but bitches and money. So good. That's so classic. Um, Gangsta Gangsta can be heard on the West Coast Classics radio station in a 2013 video game, Grand Theft Auto V. Yes. Um, it's got a whole bunch of samples. Um, but uh, again, sample sings some more Ruthless Villain by Easy e Girls by Beastie Boys. Uh, Funky Worm by the Ohio Players, among others. So it's uh, one of my favorite tracks on this album. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a banger. It's beautiful. So let's. Uh, I I couldn't find any other comments about this. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll get there with some other tracks. Uh, here's track four. So you might have got a little bit better if you put this as the Christmas trap. Uh huh. Uh, this is if it ain't rough. Um, it is uh, the interestingly the only I believe the only song on this album with no cussing. It's a fantastic song too. It's great. Uh, written by MC Ren. This was one of the two of his solo cuts on the album. Um, according to a proposed edit on Genius.com, it hasn't been it hasn't been approved yet. Ren comes off as a battle rapper as he gets dragged into various battles and has to prove his status as the best neighborhood rapper. Okay. I would say that's not far from the truth. <laughs> um, songmeanings.com. Commenter KKV Shredda says, this song is the reason MC Ren is my favorite member of NWA. All right. Hey, you know what? It's If you need a reason... This would be a good well, one. This is a good reason. If you are if you are a fan of the ruthless villain, uh, this is this is it. Um, some of the samples: "A Star in the Ghetto" by Average White Band, "Quiet on the Set," and "Straight Outta Compton" by N.W.A. <laughs> uh, ruthless villain by Easy E, and "Don't Believe the Hype" by Public Enemy. So, uh, an eclectic group of samples, and uh, that's uh, if it ain't rough. Another again, another standout track. I mean, we're we're four for four here. We are. It's a tremendous start to the album. Uh, here's uh, track five. Oh, what's this? Oh, oh, I got my, the rest of them for some reason have not uh, have not downloaded. So start talking ah. about it, and I will find it. Well, we got parental discretion is advised. Is with a Z, classic. Um, written by the DOC MC Ren and Ice Cube. Um, while you're queuing it up, I'll just uh, I'll get right into what the. Uh, this is a massive five-verse posse. You are now about oh, to win. Here we go. No. Oh, that's not it. Keep you going. Are now, Keep going. You are now. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Um, this is a massive five-verse posse cut featuring all of the rapping members of NWA, including their behind-the-scenes lyricist, Tracy, the DOC Curry. This song is one of the underrated highlights of the group's seminal album, Straight Outta Common, blah, blah. Here we go. Hey, what y'all gonna do for this last record? I'm telling what y'all gonna do. Okay, you want me to do the intro? Alright. Parental discretion is advised for the moment. While I'm getting candid, y'all understand it. Ain't a typical so that's the DOC. There you go. Yeah, leading it off. Uh, the sample, of course, is I Turned You On by the Isley Brothers and Dave Baby Cortez. Um, not much more to say other than that little clip from uh, the little quote from Genius.com. Any thoughts? No. <laughs> no. It's a fine, it's a fine enough song. Uh, let's go to April. Yes. <laughs> you know, so many penis beats in this uh, on this album. Oh God! Yes. 
this is all easy, right? Yes. So this is 8-Ball. It's a remix of 8-Ball. 8-Ball um, remix, written by Ice Cube. Uh, it's a remix of a track that first appeared. Here we go. Name Easy E, yo, 8-Ball Junkie. Bass drum kicking and show my shit. Nice. Um, remix of the track that first appeared on the NWA and the Posse compilation, originally released the year before, 1987. Uh, this track puts the spotlight on Easy, who performs all four verses. Um... On songmeetings.com, commenter Doobie says, Man, I just like the fucking song, dude. It's tight, man. Shit's funny as fuck. Easy is a fucking crack addict, but he, A, he got the pussy, man. <laughs> That's, that might be the best comment ever. <laughs> um, a lot of samples on this one. Just a shit ton. Um, I won't get into all of them because there's way too many, but they do sample the Easy song "Boys in the Hood." I guess Easy was recording his album at the same time. I should note Easy not a crack addict. No, he wasn't. But that's that's the best part of the comment. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was uh, his his first album. He was doing Easy Easy Does It, right? Yeah, Easy Does It was essentially an NWA album, but it was Easy uh, under Easy's name. Um, released uh, just a couple months after this. Yeah. So they're probably recording it at the same time, and they are sampling a lot of the tracks from that album. Uh, some pretty good kind of cross-promotion. Well done, NWP. All right. So that's 8-Ball, the remix. Uh, we go to track 7. Oh yeah, you're in. You ready to do this shit? Yeah, drain this rip shit up. Hey, yo, yellow boy, won't you kick me one of them funky-ass beats? Yo, we got my homeboy Easy yeah. in the house. Compton's definitely in the house. Yo, Ren, what we gonna call this shit? Tell him what your name is. Yeah, something like that. All right, we'll just kick this shit on the one. Kick it. Back by the man that was big as fuck. Because you was the public, you should know what's up. Beautiful. We got something like that. Um, this is an MC Ren, uh, MC Ren composition. Um, I, what I love about these tracks is when they all, all the little intros. It's all like, okay, let's, let's do this. <laughs> Play, play me something great that I can rap to. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. I'm, we're going to bring in Easy Motherfucking E. <laughs> what, what I like about this album is that in three tunes, I think, uh, yeah, three songs on this album, uh, sample Take the Money and Run by the Steve Miller Band. Yes! Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So great. Um, this track, something like that, according to Genius.com, the seventh song off NWA's classic, Straight Outta Compton, Dr. Dre and MC Ren pass the mic back and forth. Sometimes they spit at the same time and kick some funky rhymes. As they did with the majority of the album, they introduced fresh ideas and concepts that still haven't been fully exploited today. The simultaneous verses between Ren and Dre are flat out sick. <laughs> and I, I will concur. It's it's a it's some nice back and forth. Well done, MC Ren and The uh, samples, of course, take the money and run by Steve Miller Band. I think I'll do it by ZZ Hill and uh, Down on the Avenue by Fat Larry's Band. Beautiful, classic. Uh, track eight. Yo, man, there's a lot of brothers out there flaking <laughs> and perpetrating, but scared to kick reality. Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? I'm expressing with my full capabilities. And now I'm living in correctional facilities. Because some don't agree with how I do this. We got to express yourself. Yep. The album's final single, uh, released on March 27, 1989. It reached number two on the Billboard Hot Rap Songs chart. 
Um, written by Ice Cube, but uh, Dr. Dre handles all three verses. According to Genius.com, Express Yourself is notable for being one of the controversial group's clean songs and for Dre's lyrical disavowal of weed. All right. Only a few years before his album-long celebration of the drug. Yep. Um, from the Wicca. The, uh, the song's lyrics focus on the concept of free expression and the constraints placed on rappers by radio censorship. The song is notable for including lines criticizing other rappers for not swearing in order to get radio airplay, despite the song itself containing no profanity <laughs> and being based on pop music sample with a clearly radio-friendly tone. Yep. So a little bit of a little bit of a dichotomy there. Uh, MC Ren broke the uh, song down for Hip Hop Connection in December of 1989 as such. Um, a lot of people can't really deal with themselves. I mean, they cuss at home and in public, there's someone else. Uh, they cuss at home and in public, there's someone else. A lot of brothers wear the African medallions and the high top haircuts, but they know shit all about why they're doing it, just that it looks good. Why not dig deeper and not just wear things because it's fashionable? So MC Red, making a statement. Um, the main uh, samples, of course, express yourself by Charles Wright and the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band. And uh, they sample Dope Man by NWA. <laughs> Their own song, that's great. Uh, there was a music video. Uh, the music video starts with a black and white video of slaves working on a plantation. The video then moves to the ghetto as the band members walk through it and dance with the local residents. A no rapping sign is shown. A mounted officer enforces the law on the crowd. Occasionally, band members are depicted rapping in a prison environment. Later on, Dr. Dre plays the role of the U.S. president. At one point, he is talking on a phone with Mikhail Gorbachev, and a photo of Martin Luther King can be seen in the background. A parody of John F. Kennedy's assassination follows. Uh, the video ends with Dr. Dre being elect uh, executed in an electric chair. All right. So some nice, a nice light video. Yeah, of course. Uh, classic track. Well done. Uh, here's track nine. Oh yeah, right about now, oh, Compton's in the motherfucking house. <laughs> NWA is in up? full effect. Doing hey yo, yellow boy, right. kick me that funky ass beat right here. Yeah. 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 Compton. Yeah. Who's in the motherfucking house right now? Who's in the house? Pump that shit up. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got Compton's in the house. The remix. Uh, written by MC Ren. This is a uh, remix of the original track, which was featured as the B-side of the cassette version of Easy's single Easy Does It. So they this came out before on the album, and then so you know, as you see in in, in other areas such as um, let's say Tupac's California Love, the remix is actually the more popular version. The uh, the original kind of being uh, kind of buried. Um, MC Ren broke the song down for Hip Hop Connection in December of 1989. He said, "We're basically saying that Compton's got something to say. Once me and my buddy nearly got in a fight with another crew because they were putting down Compton. Now this record has dissed these people because it became this thing. So he's dissing some dudes that got that dissed Compton, as you do. Yes, of course. The main sample of this song is something like that by NWA. So a track." Three songs earlier on the album. I don't know. It's kind of my, for me, the weakest song on the album. Yeah, it's pretty simple, right? Yeah, there's not much to it. Um, we go to track ten. Ice Cube, do you think you give me some money to get my hair done? Well, you know I get it done every week, and I need my nails done too. Look, I'm gonna tell you like this. Okay, so right away, <laughs> this again, this just doesn't fit with the rest of the album, right? 
No, it's all super like dopey. Yeah, it's a weird kind of. You know, the the album kind of starts to hit strong, kind of tails off a little bit. Yeah. Um, I the one written by Ice Cube. This is his solo cut. Um, not much to say. It's got the classic kind of uh, Ice Cubish type intro with the with the with the kind of jokey intro with the woman talking. The main sample, the message uh, by Brass Construction. Not much to it. Uh, just a bit of album filler, a way to squeeze in uh, a solo track there, basically. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're getting their hair and their nails done. Yeah. Let you show them all. There you go. Girls like spending your money. <laughs> so weird. It's so weird. Uh, we go track 11. We got Dope Man, the remix. Yep. A remix of the track which appeared on the NWA and the Posse compilation, original release in 1987. This is written by Ice Cube. Uh, not much to say about it. It's got uh, three samples. Uh, Funky Worm by the Ohio Players. Dance to the Drummer's Beat by Herman Kelly and Life. And My Posse by CIA. Uh, it's, it's a fine track. I don't mind the you track. Know, it's, 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 uh, it's a decent listen. So, uh, again, I, I, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, kind of later, out, later in the album tracks, not finding a whole, much, not finding a whole lot about them. I gotta well, say. Dope, Dope Man was kind of a, a big song for them before, like when they yeah. were, before this album hit. Yeah. It was one of the it was big just ones. A, re, a rehashing of, of, a, of a previous track. Yeah. Uh, it, really, the definition of album filler. Yeah. All right, here's uh, track 12. An ultimate track. Yes. So we got Quiet on the set. Uh, written by MC Rem. This is his second solo cut on the album. Um, now we're getting, now we get back to business. Yeah. You know, just a good, it's loaded with awesome samples. Uh, like nice fast flow. Uh, you know, I mean, MC Ren. You know, not a not a prolific solo career by any means, but in NWA, fucking what a strong voice. Yeah. So nothing wrong with an MC Ren track. Uh, the samples on this uh, are are plenty. We got some take the money and run again. <laughs> it does sample straight out of Compton, and uh, it samples uh, Big Daddy Kane's on the Bug Tip, Rebel Without a Pause by uh, Public Enemy, among others. Uh, uh, and of a, course. Funky Drummer by James Brown. <laughs> of course. I mean, that goes without saying, uh, among some other tracks. So just a, a nice, strong, penultimate track, quiet on the set, two thumbs up from me. And now we uh, close at least the original version of the album out with this. Yeah, give me something to dance to. Yes! <laughs> so great. I mean, do I have to give you two guesses who wrote the song? Who do you think wrote this one without looking? Oh, I looked. Okay. Well, it's written by Arabian Prince. Yes. So it's got that electro feel. Um, according to Genius.com, and, and this touches on something you mentioned earlier, the original strategy for MWA was that Arabian Prince was going to produce radio hits 
by creating the electro hop that was big in LA. Meanwhile, the songs like Fuck the Police were going to be the underground, but at least people would know the album existed because the electro songs would be on the radio. Um, Arabian Prince was also successful for NWA. As you said, he was probably the most successful. So when it became clear that the reality rap was going to be thrust, thrust to the group, he decided to step away and continue to, to continue to do what he had already been doing. So this is kind of Arabian Prince's swan song in NWA. Um, the samples, of course, You're the One for Me by D-Train and Dance to the Music by Sly and the Family Stone. Kind of a weird album closer. Um, but I do like the song. Man, that's whack. Everybody use that. Yo, won't you bring back the other track? Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm saying. I like it when it's beautiful. Um, do you have in front of you what were in the uh, re-release? I don't in front of me right now. Uh, 2002 reissue bonus tracks included an extended mix of Express Yourself, bonus beats, uh, yes. an extended uh, mix of Straight Outta Compton, and A Bitch is a Bitch. A Bitch uh, is a Bitch was a track from um, that predated their NWA and the Posse compilation, but it was later included on the 1989 re-release of that which is how I got my dirty hands on that one. Um, super misogynistic song that is also awesome. Uh, and then the 2007 20th anniversary edition includes a uh, tribute remix of Fuck the Police performed by Bone Thugs and Harmony, Gangsta Gangsta performed by Snoop Dogg and C Murder, Dope Man uh, performed by Mac 10, It Ain't Rough performed by WC, and Compton's in the house uh, with uh, live with uh, Dr. Dre and MC Ren. <laughs> I can't believe that that is not the version that you have. I know. With all that awesome content at the end. Crazy. <laughs> so that's straight out of Compton. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what people thought of it at the time. Yes. A uh, little, little hard to find reviews, but I did, I did find a few. Okay. Um, let's start with one of my favorites. The Village Voices, Robert Criscow. <laughs> Please. Okay. Um, he gave it a B. All right. Saying, and here's what he said, and this is a, a mouthful, but I think I think it's I think it's worth uh, reading. It's not about a salary; it's all about reality. They chant as they talk shit about how bad they are. Right. It's not about salary; it's about royalties, about brandishing scare words like street and crazy and fuck and reality until suckers black and white cough up the cash. Fuck the police is a fantasy. Fuck with me, all, and I'll put a foot in your ass. An exaggeration. Life ain't nothing but bitches and money. A home truth. And I bet Ice Cube gets more pussy now that when he capped the line. Somehow DJs, Dr. Dre and Yella, who's also got the brainiest rap on the Charles Wright rip that busts out of their ghetto, drive the three MCs past their own lies half the time. It would be poetic justice if both of them departed for green pastures, for greener pastures. So he, Robert Criscow likes DJ Yella, who did absolutely nothing in his career. Yep. Um, the, so that's Robert Criscow, you know, not, 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 not very flattering, but he seemed to enjoy it a little bit. He would hate the rest of NWA's output, by the way. Um, in December 1989, Peter Clark of the Hi-Fi News and Record Review awarded the album a rock-bottom D4 rating. Oh, he nice. said, the cumulative effect is like listening to an endless fight next door. The music on this record is without a hint of dynamics or melody. Okay. Um, at the time, Q Magazine gave the album two stars, saying the all-mouth and trousers content is backed up by likable drum machine twittering. Twittering! Oh! Twats. Minimal instrumentation and duffest production. This regressive nonsense will be passed off as social comedy by thrill seekers all across the free world. So these guys really got their finger on the pulse of what of what the, the historical legacy of this album is going to they be. They sure did. Uh, modern reviews have been much more positive, with five stars being given from the likes of Rolling Stone, Blender, and All Music. 
But what everybody's waiting for. I am. In 2003, our pals at Pitchfork <laughs> uh, gave this album a 9.7. Woo hoo! They say, in some ways, Straight Outta Compton is the archetypal rap album, the one you would send into space if you wanted to ignite a stellar, ignite a stellar holocaust. Okay, uh-huh. it ignites the par- it unites the paranoia of it takes a nation of millions with the chill of the chronic, while still retaining an old school Run DMC like playfulness. You know, they're they're not wrong. Um, the opening squall of Straight Outta Compton, Fuck the Police and Gangsta Gangsta, is still as confrontational and decimating as it was in the dawn of the 1990s. The bass throttles, the bass throttles, the funk combusts, and the sirens deafen as easy he dispenses with tighter romantic cliches. Um, and this is the least missaw- Oh, he They quote, easy. So what about the bitch who got shot? Fuck her, you think I give a damn about a bitch? I ain't no sucker. And this is the least misogynistic of NWA's albums. All right. <laughs> That's classic. So, so you know, this album uh, has fared very a lot better over the years um, as, you know, some of these, you know, white critics at the, at the beginning really didn't like it. Um, let's talk a little bit about the tour. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if there was uh, a, you know, a massive tour for this album. It's actually hard to find an in-depth breakdown of any subsequent touring. Details are actually fairly scant, but um, there are details account of a couple of shows. So I'm just going to touch on these. Um, there's, of course, a 1989 show in Detroit um, that is fairly um, famous and is uh, reenacted uh, in the um, in the movie yep. from 2015. Um, so before the group went on stage in Detroit, the Detroit police addressed them and told them that if they performed Fuck the Police, they would be arrested. When the group went on to stage, the crowd repeatedly chanted, fuck the police. Eventually, the group gave into their demands and performed the song. The Detroit police immediately responded, pushing their way to the front of the crowd. One officer set off fireworks in the crowd, causing the group to scatter off stage. Um, the Detroit Free Press reported that nine adults and nine juveniles were arrested on misdemeanors charges outside of Joe Louis Arena. So it's a pretty iconic concert. Can yeah. you imagine? I mean, would there be more, a more interesting kind of tour to see? Oh, I, I'm not yeah. so sure. Um, the height of tensions. Uh, in his memoir, Ruthless, uh, former manager Jerry Heller said this about the show. The members of NWA were hustled away from the arena by their security and whisked off to the safety of their hotel rooms, only to be arrested later when they were sneaking back down to the lobby to meet girls. Yes. So, um, that's, uh, that's Jerry Heller's take. Uh, this incident, as I said, dramatized uh, in the biopic. Um, the group also played, in, uh, played Anaheim on March 24th, 1989. According to the OC Weekly, the concert did get rowdy with a fight breaking out. Forty young people later later spilled out of the celebrity theater as Anaheim police sent out a dozen patrol cars. But as uh, as as this writer recalls, no arrests were made. This show actually from March 24, 1989, available on YouTube. So it's, uh, definitely go watch it. It's pretty awesome. Uh, if you're listening to the track by track, it's I love all the the hyping done on the CD, also done in concert. It's tremendous. <laughs> Um, I, I took a look kind of at the um, at the set list stuff. Of course, you can't find much, but they did seem to play uh, a couple Texas dates and, you know, Michigan, California and, uh, you know, toured across several venues in these states. But uh, I don't I don't have a full account. So um, final thoughts. I mean, for me, well, sorry, um, sorry I mentioned one thing about the tour. Yeah, go so ahead. The most interesting thing to me about the tour. And again, this is uh, in the books and in the, the biopic uh, is that. Over the course of the tour, uh, Ice Cube kind of yes. realizes that he is being vastly, badly underpaid yep. uh, for what's happening on the album. 
Easy and Jerry Heller are making the vast majority of the bucks. Yeah, as uh, the owners of the label, right? Uh, to They're the, making a lot of money. Yep. Yeah, to the point where he reviews his contract and and before this tour is over, um, makes the decision that he's done with the group. And as soon as this tour is done, he is he is gone from the group. Yeah, he yeah. And in my notes here, as you ganked my final thoughts. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, he left the group in December 1989. Uh, and uh, yeah, he I mean he wrote half the lyrics. Um, you know, and he, he wasn't getting his fair share. And, uh, of course this would kick off a major feud. Yes. Uh, quite possibly one of the first, uh, hip hop feuds, uh, that we would come to know and love. Um, they would, uh, back and forth on albums with Ice Cube, you know, arguably scoring the greatest, um, blow of all with no Vaseline. Uh, I would agree. Uh, easy, uh, had a solo effort that came out a few months after this. That was pretty decent, but nothing could really match his, uh, but, uh, after this, he never really uh, matched his his 1988 output, um, as of course the the members uh, his writers slowly left the group. Um, Dr. Dre left NWA in 1991 to form Death Row Records, and another bitter rivalry ensued, especially between Easy and Dre. Um, Easy would pass away on March 26, 1995, shortly after being diagnosed with AIDS. Uh, the group would uh, would would reconcile at that point. And have uh, you know I've recorded a few songs in the in in the uh, in the years that followed, and uh, you know uh, we're all together uh, for their uh, their induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I can't remember what year it was. They performed at Coachella too, I think in ninety or in two thousand and sixteen. Uh, nice. Not there was it was a, I believe it was a nice cube set that they all appeared. Obviously, the, the everyone except for Easy, of course, though Easy E has appeared in holograph format. <laughs> Of course he has. So. Um, I guess the question uh, it was Coachella, but I can't. You have not seen them. I have not seen them. I have not seen uh, any member of NWA uh, in concert so far. Nope. And you? No. All right. No. Um, I guess for me, the album. Uh, listen, Ice Cube's contribution to this, I don't think, can be overlooked. Um, the the uh, and and Dre, but I think Ice Cube specifically. The album, I think, has aged extremely well which I can't say uh, the same thing for anything else NWA has done outside of 100 Miles and Running. Um, I mean, this is NWA at the height of their powers. Debut album, height of their powers. It never, it never was the same again. Uh, the album's highly influential, launched uh, multiple careers. Highly recommended for me. Your thoughts? Uh, when you say it, it holds up, I, I can't, can't agree more. It, it sounds so fucking good. Like, yeah. And at the time... The, the production that, that Dr. Dre was doing was considered to be like, like never seen before levels of yep. production um, because people were used to rap at that point. But but a lot of the stuff that was being produced was was garbage. Yeah. Um, and this was the first one where it was just so, so well done. And, uh, you know, these days production is a lot, obviously, easier. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot more talent out there, but this was the first one. And so it's amazing that this album, which is now 30 years old, mm -hmm. um, sounds just as good. It really does. So there it really you go. really does. Highest recommendation, folks. Go check it out. Next week on Albums Are Dead. Purple Rain. It's going to be bringing us some Purple Rain action. I'm going to talk gonna about Prince's 1984 album. We're going to talk the album. We're going to talk the movie. We're yes. going to talk about... Prince and what a busy year he had between about 1983 and 1985. I thoroughly enjoyed looking into this album. So many stories, and we will talk about it next week. 
it's, it's a it's a can't miss show, folks. Um, I'm at megamix.com on Twitter. Uh, I'm slip with five eyes or slip, and we'll see you in a week. All right, folks. Good night. Good night. While I'm expressing myself, it's crazy to see people be what society wants them to be, but not me. Ruthless is the way to go. They know others say rhymes fail to be original, or they kill where the hip hop starts. Forget about the ghetto.